Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast. You know, we talk a lot here about the role of the church in our culture. Is the ministry of the church what happens in the church building, or is it bigger than that? What if a church directs its energy to the community with no hope of reciprocal benefit to the church at first in Maine? Well, we're unpacking these questions with our Holy Soup producer, guest host Michael Kiefer. Well, welcome to Holy Soup. We're here with David Stahl of Kids Hope USA. David, welcome. Great to be here, Michael. Thank you. Today we're digging into how the local church, that could be your church if you're listening, can connect with an institution that has sometimes been seen as very resistant to church involvement, and that's the local school. Now, in many communities, those of us in the church might wonder if we're welcome in schools, given the whole church-state separation thing. But that may not actually be the case. David, tell us about Kids Hope. Well, Kids Hope USA is an organization that partners local churches with local elementary schools primarily across the country. We do it in 35 different states. Hmm. And what we do is we equip the church to provide mentors to at-risk students. And those mentors go to the school during the school day at the school and spend an hour just breathing life into some students who desperately need a caring adult relationship And many times, for the first time in their life, they have somebody who really shows them that they matter to them. Mm. So so tell me exactly what is the role of mentor as you experience? And, and, I mean, realistically, what can a mentor accomplish in one hour a week? Uh, A mentor can actually accomplish an amazing thing in an hour, and it's this. The children that are at school right now who are considered at risk by schools for a variety of reasons. A lot of them have one common element, and that is they are missing a caring, stable adult relationship in their life. And that's somebody who makes them feel like they matter, tells them why they matter. And so in an hour, what happens is that when a mentor shows up week in, week out, there's a there's a clear message sent to a, a student that says, you are valued by somebody, and you, th- therefore, have value yourself. And a lot of these kids are walking around with a hole in their heart because they don't have anybody in life, a big person, telling them that and showing them that. They've been disappointed by adults you know, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And like I tried to tell people all over the country, Students, there's a lot of students who are living a life that they did not choose and they cannot pull themselves out of. However, they are just one caring adult relationship away from thriving. And in one hour, and we've seen it over and over, we've been in existence for 21 years now. In just one hour, you can convince a child that they matter. And, and when he or she thinks that, she, that they matter, wow. The world just becomes a a place full of opportunity and hope. And a whole different kind of place, I assume. Absolutely. there's, there's, There's possibilities that they would never allow themselves to dream of, that with the encouragement of an adult, all of a sudden they can start thinking of, what do I want to do when I grow up, rather than how do I get through this week, how do I get through next week? 
it's it's a matter of stretching their view of life to include more. And, you know, hope hope is a, a belief that there is a better tomorrow, mm-hmm. that the today's circumstances will not continue, that there's a better tomorrow on its way. And that's what our mentors do for kids is they sit down and they talk to them about the value of, of just doing your homework means you'll succeed in school and you can do this, this, and this. But what's necessary is to ask a child, what would you like to be in life? What, w- what would you like to do someday? And many of them have no idea. So a mentor gets to spend time just saying, well, let's dream together. So it sounds as if a mentor, you know, I may have misunderstood because uh, like many people, I think of the role of mentor is being able to come in and help you find Guatemala on a map. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that sounds like that's not it at all. And if, in fact, it does make a difference, and I'm not questioning you on that, but help us understand how it makes a difference. Can you tell me a story about, well, you've been doing it for 20-some years. Tell me a story or two about kids whose lives have been changed. Well, I'll tell you a story about a little guy that I mentored. Mm. And it, it shows because a lot of people also wonder, is a mentor helping a child academically? And the answer is maybe it's really building a relationship that matters most. But with a little guy that I mentored years ago, his name was James, we sat down and James had a, a challenge as far as being able to focus and concentrate on reading. And as a second grader, that's an important skill you need to hmm. acquire. So I knew that James wasn't going to just sit down and all of a sudden start reading books with me. So what I did was one day I brought in my iPad and I have a stopwatch you know, timer on it. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, James, here's a game that we're going to play. You read these words, and they were these things called sight words, which are 50 words that are age-graded that children need to know. I said, you read through the list as fast as you can. You have to read them correctly. I'll hit start when you start, and I'll hit stop when you're finished, and we'll see how fast you can do it. Hmm. But you have to read them correctly. So he started down the list and uh, started reading them. I hit the stop button at 59 seconds. And, I, you know, he and I high five and all that. I said, if you can read 50 words in 59 seconds, you're a good reader. He looked at me and he said, well, Mr. Dave, let's try it again. We tried it again, and he got down to 49. Then we tried it again. Then it was 39. And it was time to go at that point. So we're walking back to his classroom, and I said, James, you seem to really like that. And he looked at me, and he said, yeah, you know, Mr. Dave, that was so much fun. He said, you know what? You're the first person who's told me that I'm good at anything. Wow. And so I said, well, what do you want to have as a goal? He said, I want to do this in under 20 seconds. So we worked the rest of the semester, and the last meeting that we had, I hit the stop at like 19.87. And, <laughs> and you know, I was looking at it. I was going to hit it at 19 <laughs> seconds no matter what. Mm-hmm. But when we did that, he got up and he went around the school. We, we took a lap around the school and he was telling everybody how he, he finished the list in under 20 seconds. His teacher told me at our end of school banquet that James became a really good reader and a really motivated reader. And she asked me why. And I told her that story. And she said, it just goes to show you, kids just need one person to tell them they can do something and they can. So, so if I were a local school, an elementary school, and a, a church came to me and said, you know, we're willing to provide mentors. Uh, I, I would think that's gold. I would think that our school's actually hungry for this. Oh, it is by far gold. That's a great way to put it. Uh, right now we have about uh, 
1,265 church school programs across mm. the country, you know, mm-hmm. give or take two or three. But we have about 2,500 schools waiting for a church partner. And it's because when we come in and we start a program and it runs for a year and the principal sees the dramatic change that takes place in all of those children that are part of the program, that principal gets together with the other principals in his or her school district on a monthly basis at least. They start talking about Mm -hmm. what works and they start talking about this program and it repeats itself over and over community after community across the country where the principals start talking and all of a sudden the superintendent gives us a call and says, will you find a church partner for every school in our school district? And we are just bold enough to say, yes, we will. And so we start working that way. But but literally, we have over twice as many schools right now waiting for a church partner. Okay, so it, it, in this whole dance between the and partnering up between churches and schools, it sounds as if it's the church that's dragging its feet. Has that been the experience you've seen? Yeah, and, and I come from the church world, so I understand how there's a great new program that will change lives that comes mm-hmm. across the desk of a pastor. About, you know, one, about once a week. Or, or once an hour or whatever. So it's pretty <laughs> frequent. And so we understand that churches are very busy. Some are very stretched as far as resources and volunteers. But for a church, all they need to do is slow down long enough to hear that the elementary school wants you in the door, and all of a sudden there's a change in perspective in the church that is so, so refreshing to see. I had an experience down in Nashville, Tennessee, where I was down there with a school principal and a pastor, and I explained the Kids Hope program to the school principal. I stopped talking, which is unusual for me, but I stopped talking and I said, Ms. Frazier, what do you think of it? And she looked at me and she said, well, I think there's only one question that remains in my mind. And I wondered, gosh, what did I not cover? She looks at the pastor and she said, the question is this, pastor, are you and your church going to show up for my kids? She Hmm. said, it all comes down to this. Are you going to come here? We want you here. We need you here. And she ended it by saying, it's all up to you. And, and that was such a great summary of where we're at with church-school relationships. It's really all up to the church. It is very rare, very rare, that a school says, no, we don't want to have church volunteers come in here and love our kids. It, it, it's extremely rare. When it does happen, what are the concerns that a school would have? Typically, and and again, I'm I'm broadly generalizing Mm -hmm. here, but typically it's because somewhere in their past there's been a lawsuit at the school or in the school system someplace about uh, somebody who violated church-state separation and Mm -hmm. things got ugly, and so they don't want to do anything at all that, that resembles working with a church. However, those cases are very rare, and today... Again, like I said, we have 35 different states. We have hundreds of different school systems. Everybody is at a point now because school budgets are stretched so thin that they're looking for adults who will come in the school and and adults that will come in the school and sit down and build a loving relationship with the most vulnerable kids in the school. That, like you said, is gold in the minds of schools. Plus, the, the program does not cost them a dime. 
which makes it extremely budget friendly. <laughs> <laughs> it does, and the truth is, it doesn't really cost the church anything either. I assume. Now, well, there's a, there's an affiliate fee to mm-hmm. uh, to uh, work with Kids Hope USA, which is extremely minor. Um, but really, the the investment that the church is making is deploying the greatest resource the church has, and that is the capacity of their members to go out and love other people. Well, which strikes me as perhaps the people who would respond within my church are not necessarily the people who are already doing other volunteer roles. I mean, I'm thinking it has to happen during the school day. It's the stay-at-home grandma kind of misses being with kids. It's the stay-at-home grandpa like me. Yeah. Well, I'm not stay-at-home, but it, <laughs> that, that could happen. Uh, but it, it's people who have some capacity to care about someone. Exactly. Okay. And, and in today's world, it's never been more you know, socially acceptable to to mentor a child than it, than it is right now. You'd you'd be pretty hard pressed to find an employer that wouldn't let somebody leave for an hour to go meet with a with a student. But what we found in doing surveys with our churches is about 60% or so of Kids Hope USA volunteers mentoring is their first uh, meaningful and regular volunteer role that they've had at their church. Mm. So, a lot of times what that means is that People don't have the capacity to volunteer on a weekend, which, you know, there's a lot of volunteer opportunities at churches on weekends. This is a weekday volunteer opportunity, and it does fit in with a lot of people. Plus, you take a look and see what the program accomplishes, and people love working with elementary school kids. Oh, yeah, they're they're great. Yeah. So, uh, David, one of the things I did mention is you actually have some church background yourself. You were at Willow Creek. Right. You were uh, in charge of Promised Land. So you've been around short kids, and you've been around <laughs> church programming. You've also been in and out of a lot of schools. There has been, uh, perhaps you felt this as well for a while, some sense of, oh, man, I'm not sure I should approach the school because I'm, I don't feel welcome well, you've, you've put that to bed. Right. Uh, it sounds right. like there are a number of schools who would love to have volunteers come in. As you think about your church experience and you think about your school experience, my question for you is this. What have you learned in the schools that we as the church could benefit from as we choose how to teach children matters of faith? Right. Well, I think the first lesson that I learned, um, and it was after going through uh, a lot of our different areas where we have uh, church school programs and meeting with schools and listening to educators, I've come to the conclusion that while in the church we love our kids, and there, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it, churches love kids and, and all that. However, the people who spend the most time with children, meaning the teachers and principals, have an even greater love. For, for kids. And I think churches would be well served to keep that in mind that their local school is filled with a staff and faculty that loves those kids. And so the, the hearts of kids is a common ground that the church and school can occupy. Mm-hmm. And once we start having that perspective that the church doesn't have the lock on loving kids, then the, that opens the door to a more meaningful partnership where we come in as far as, okay, we want to serve the school. Now, as far as other things that I've learned that translate into the church world, it's this. The kids that Kids Hope USA reaches in schools are by and large not attending church. And and we know that because here's a, 
here's an unfortunate reality. At-risk students come from at-risk homes. And so an at-risk home typically, and, I'm not, and again, mm-hmm. I'm broadly generalizing, mm-hmm. typically they're not attending church. And so a church who's considering a Kids Hope USA program, first of all, needs to, to come to terms with is our collective heartbeat for children strong enough to beat for kids who will not ever attend this church? Wow, that sounds like a fundamental decision. It is, it is. And it really comes down to, do we love all children or do we only love the kids of the families that, who attend this church? But, but that is a big question that churches need to answer because a lot of the kids never attend church. In fact, when I was at Willow Creek and, and leading Promise Land, which I loved and, and still do, obviously, um, I didn't want to leave that position because I enjoyed it so much. But uh, God tapped me on the shoulder and said, David, what about all the kids who will never attend church? Don't they need to experience and receive my hope and love too? And that's what was the call that brought me from the church world over to Kids Hope USA. And so in terms of what the church can learn, it's this. When we go into the school and we help kids experience God's unconditional love, which is what a mentor does, Mm -hmm. that is a first and huge step for kids and a potential spiritual pathway for them. Because most of them have only heard about God and Jesus as the beginning of a you know, line of words that we don't mm-hmm. even want to get into. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing is we're bringing God into the, into the reality of kids in a new and fresh way. And it does not violate church-state separation for church people to go in and just love kids. It, okay. it, it, it doesn't do that. Now, on the other hand... As these mentors go in and experience the reality of elementary schools and see what's going on, I believe that the children's ministry could learn a lot from the mentors as far as what is everyday life like for kids, even the ones who attend our church, because guess what? They're probably at that school too. And so the children's ministry could learn a lot from, the, from a mentoring program as far as what is real life like for the kids at school all day during the day during the weeks when they're there. Okay, you know what you're describing when you talk about kids' hope and and about about Christian adults entering into kids' lives in the school is is one way that there's some shifting going on in ministry to be able to engage the culture and the days of a community shutting everything down on a Sunday morning so kids can come to church. That's yeah. that yeah that that train left the station a long time ago. So now if we want to reach kids and through them their families. We have to find some fresh ways to engage with them, and that's not only true of kids, but their families as well, which is part of what we'll be exploring at a summit that you're going to be at uh, here coming up in a few weeks in Colorado, the Future of the Church Summit 2016. I know, David, you'll be here, so will a number of others who are exploring ways for the church to engage this culture, even through the schools. So uh, Phil Vischer will be here, Chris Folmsby, uh, Neil Smith, Tom Schultz, others as well. So if you are listening and you'd like to be in the room, then I'd ask you to go to thefutureofthechurch.com and and get your spot reserved right away because you're going to need to do it quickly. The summit's in just a few weeks, October 26th through 28th here in Colorado, which is not a bad time to be here in Colorado, by the way. (laughs) So just a few more weeks and the window on that opportunity is going to close. 
You know, you mentioned that Kids Hope volunteers often work with kids who are at risk, and I'd ask you to peel that back a little bit. What do you mean by at risk? Who are these kids that are in our schools who we actually have access to through mentoring programs? Who are these kids? Well, these kids are at risk because they're at risk of not thriving in life and not uh, having a robust education. And so at risk is a very, very broad term. Mm -hmm. Um, But what it is, is a very uh, education system friendly term, meaning when you go into a school and you say, we'd like to, you know, provide love and hope to your at-risk students, you don't have to describe it any further to the they, principal they or social They all know worker. who you're talking about. Exactly. And a lot of times people try to you know, uh, put at-risk into a category as far as, well, it's all kids of poverty. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. And it's not just all kids who have a single parent either or no parents or whatever. There's a variety of reasons. And sometimes you know, children have three or four reasons why they're considered at risk, but, it, but it's at risk as determined by the school. And that's a very valuable read because the school watches, the, the, you know, the teachers and principal watch the students and they see who's interacting well socially and who seems to be left out. Who, see, you know, who does their homework, who doesn't do their homework, and who has no way of getting their homework done. And so a lot of times, kids hope kids aren't the behavior problems of the school either. What I characterize it more as is that kids hope students are the ones who are slipping between the cracks and will a lot of times just quietly sort of, uh, you know, fade away. And all of a sudden, they're the ones who are at extreme risk of dropping out because they've not had a very robust educational experience early on in their school life. So uh, maybe you've already answered this, but see if you can give me anything else. What happens to at-risk kids if there is no intervention, if there is no mentor, if there is nobody there for them? Yeah, oh, that's uh, very clearly what happens is that over time when, when students feel like or have no reason to believe that they matter to someone else, meaning an adult, who, and, and when you look back, you, you always have some adults who built into you. You know, you can mm-hmm. look back. Everybody has those adults who affirm them. Take those adults away for a moment. And all of a sudden, you don't feel like you matter to anyone if you're, uh, you know, an at-risk student because you don't have that relationship. After a while, what happens is when you don't matter to anyone, well, maybe I don't matter. Maybe I just don't matter. And if I don't matter, school doesn't matter. Behavior doesn't matter. Attending school doesn't matter and all that. When a child starts to believe that, then you can, you can predict where that road is going to go as far as they're going to search for anybody to make them feel like they matter. And so all of a sudden, you know, you have some, you know, groups of kids and even like gangs and stuff like that. Who do they recruit? They, they get the, the children who need somebody to affirm them and make them feel good about themselves. And so when that, you know, here you can belong, when, when that comes from the wrong source, then kids take a very, very divergent path in life that leads them to trouble. And so, you know, you look at, say, okay, when a kid's, when an at-risk student doesn't receive hope and love, what happens? Well, think of what does life look like if you don't have any hope and you're not experiencing love. 
that that is a life of problems that are about to happen and we see it over and over with kids as far as where they had a belief system that that looked like one thing and then a mentor comes on the scene and the whole thing changes i was in washington dc not that long ago um, at the Senate building, listening to a, a attending a, a session there, and there was a, um, a, a young adult there who had lived a, a tough life, gone into a gang life, had committed some crimes, and was talking about how then he got adopted by parents later on in mm-hmm. life, and everything worked out well. I asked the question. I said, "What would have happened if?" in, say, first or second grade, somebody would have come along and just given you some hope and love. What would have happened there? He paused and he said, everything would have changed. None of this would have happened. He said, and I always remember this, he said, you know, it's crazy what hope can do. It can change the way you see life. It can change the decisions that you make. But without it, you're just going to make the decisions that other people tell you to make. And so, I've always, oh, I've wow. always loved that line. It's crazy what hope can do, it's and, crazy and it really is. Yeah. Well, you're in the hope business, um, and and so is the church. I mean, you're part of the church, uh, so uh, there's no division there. But if a church is listening, if someone at a church is listening and goes, you know, that's something that we should take a look at. How do they follow up? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, just go to our web- website, Kids Hope USA. So K I D S H O P E U S A dot O R G. There's a contact us uh, uh, function there that you can learn more about the program, have one of our uh, people from uh, any of our offices contact you, Mm -hmm. share with you what it looks like. We, again, we have 1,200 and some uh, church school programs, so we have worked with churches from all sorts of denominations, from urban to suburban to Mm -hmm. rural settings. You know, we have churches everywhere, big, small, everything in between. That we'd love to just sit down and share with you, okay, this is how the program works, but more importantly, this is what your people can do in the life of children. And what we've seen over and over is that when a church steps forward and says, yeah, we'd like to run this program, it's easy for us to find an elementary school for them, which and we'll help you know, make that relationship happen. But over time, then here's what happens. You have some mentors go in, some stories of life change, of these little lives that that go in a new direction, come back to the church. The church falls in love with the school. The school falls in love with the church. And across our network, 90% of all the churches start engaging that school, the families of of the children there and all that, in ways above and beyond just the mentoring program. And all of a sudden, there's a church school partnership that started with a mentoring program and now has become all about people of all ages and sizes. Mm. And it's a beautiful thing to watch because when that happens, then you have the, the education community, you have the other families that attend the school who might not even have Kids Hope Kids, but they're taking a look at this church that has selflessly gone into a school just to love some kids who need some love. All of a sudden, there's a new reputation for a church that's out on the street, and I tell you what, that's the reputation that the church should have. It is, and it's a welcome mat for people in the community as well. Well, thank you for being here, David, and uh, I'm excited you're coming back for the future of the Church Summit as well, because there'll be a chance for participants to be able to sit down with you, and I assume, and be able to say, 
boy, give me, give me more information. Tell me, are there any obstacles? Or you can kind of coach people through what they want to do moving forward, as will all the speakers. If you come to the Future of the Church Summit, you get a chance to actually talk with these guys. They're not just on the stage and then disappearing <laughs> back. In fact, there's no backstage, David. You're going to have to talk to people. Uh-oh, so I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm excited that you're going to be here. And thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for being here for Holy Soup. <laughs>